Welcome back to another episode of IJ Notes, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes to explore the work of journalists globally. I'm Jamaja Rhodes, an intern on the IJNet team. During our last episode, we kicked off our new series on environmental reporting, and we spoke with the editor-in-chief of Climate Tracker, Sebastian Rodriguez. This week, I got the chance to speak with Yesenia Funes, the climate editor of Atmos, a climate and culture magazine. For today's episode, Yesenia provides insight on what environmental justice reporting is, what kind of stories fall into this category, and the increasing demand for climate justice reporters in newsrooms around the world. So can you introduce yourself, tell us where you work, and how long you've been in this field? Yes, so my name is Yesenia Funes. I am the climate director of Atmos magazine. We're a climate and culture magazine. It's been around for about uh, three years now, and I've been in this field for about seven years. And what made you become an environmental justice reporter? I became an environmental justice reporter after realizing that the climate crisis was going to affect every other aspect of our lives. Um, I went into J school knowing that I wanted to become a journalist that covered social issues. So I wasn't quite sure what that meant exactly, but I knew that I wanted to report on something um, of significance. Yeah, so I, I went into J school knowing that I wanted to cover something important, but I wasn't sure what. And so once I learned about the climate and ecological crises and how they were unfolding, I quickly began just to focus on environmental issues and more specifically environmental justice issues. So bridging that gap between environment and race, which has grown to include climate as well as the climate crisis has grown more urgent. What kind of stories will fall in this field of journalism? Oh, man. I mean, all types of stories. There's like, you know, court stories around legal cases. There are local stories around the development of local projects. There are activist stories, right, covering mobilizations unfolding on the ground. There are, you know, feature data-driven stories that highlight the way that certain impacts or certain events rather are impacting different groups. I think that's one of the benefits of climate reporting is that there's just an environmental justice reporting in particular is that there's so many stories here to tell and they don't all have to be stories about, you know, a community struggling or a community suffering. There are also many solution stories around how communities are responding to the climate crisis or to environmental injustices um, and organizing and very often winning some of these local battles. Walk me through the process of finding a new story. I think for me, the process of finding an environmental justice story is, you know, I'm really lucky that I get to work in a newsroom where we're not sort of committed to covering the sort of like daily news the day, um, that more so it's about, uh, you know, responding to the news sometimes, but more often looking for things that just haven't gotten enough attention and amplifying them. I'm probably the one who covers the news the most on our team. And for me, it's really a matter of, you know, seeing what's happening and figuring out what's really resonating with me. So like, what, what is affecting me emotionally? What do I feel drawn to? What do I have more, most, most questions on? What to me seems like something that 
I don't know enough about that perhaps our readers also don't know, don't, don't know enough about. And so once I can identify what I want to write about, you know, just the nitty gritty of reporting, reaching out to sources, uh, the benefit of, you know, carving out a beat like environmental justice is that, you know, you get to very often talk to the same people. And so I've built some pretty strong relationships with my sources over the over the last few years, you know, sometimes I'll reach out to a source that I haven't spoken to in years and they'll still remember me, you know, given the, the reporting and the, the collaborations that we had in the past. And so, yeah, it's reporting, you know, a lot of call researching. Yeah. And then of course the writing and the editing, but I think the biggest sort of part of that process is figuring out, you know, what, like what, you know, what the questions are, what sort of like is the unique angle that we as Atmos can bring to a story, mm-hmm. um, especially environmental justice stories, because I, I try specifically in my reporting to not, you know, to not paint these sort of like doom and gloom images mm-hmm. and try to really find a space to uplift and empower uh, the voices in my reporting and make sure that their perspectives are being communicated through the piece. With environmental justice reporting, is it more focused on the people and how they're affected by the things going on in the environment? And is that what makes it different from basic climate reporting? Well, I think that climate and environmental justice reporting, uh, when it's done well, focuses on the people. But I think what really sets environmental justice apart is the people whom we're choosing to center and talk Mm -hmm. to. So it's like environmental justice is about speaking with frontline communities, communities of color, low-income communities, and really centering them in the piece Um, and being explicit about that in the story, right? What effect did last year's social justice movement have on environmental justice reporting? You're talking about like the, the Black Lives Matter yes. sort of racial reckoning yeah. um, on social justice reporting or environmental justice reporting? On environmental justice. If it had an effect, it may not have. Yeah, I think that last year's sort of racial reckoning and the uprisings that we saw hit not only the U.S., but the globe, I think put a new spotlight on the value of environmental justice reporting and the necessity of environmental justice reporting in in covering the climate crisis. We saw a number of desks begin to look for climate and environmental reporters and even some explicit environmental justice reporters. So I know the Associated Press, I think the last year has hired a reporter, which is essentially um, an environmental justice reporter. I I don't think they use that name, but that's essentially what it is. CNN just hired a climate reporter who has a history of covering environmental justice, Rachel Ramirez. And yeah, I think the 19th is hiring or was hiring a climate reporter with a focus on women's issues. So a women and climate focused reporter. So I do think that the last year has really um, underscored and sort of reemphasized the importance of this intersection. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I don't think it's really affected the way that I do my work, but I am seeing, I think, some of the more like mainstream legacy media and some of the new age media that's coming out being more interested in the topic. And how has the pandemic affected your reporting in any way? So the pandemic has affected my reporting in the sense that on the ground reporting isn't quite as accessible as it once was. I did a reporting trip earlier this year to Nicaragua on the sort of aftermath of hurricanes Eta and Iota last year, focusing on the Mosquito indigenous communities there. And the pandemic really made it a much more complicated trip than it would have been otherwise. COVID tests and all these requirements. Um, And so it's made it, you know, it's kind of makes trips longer um, if they're international, which is a bit of a deterrent. And of course, uh, 
It's also just affected, I think, my sources availability. A lot of people, their personal lives have they've had some pretty severe impacts, right? Like we've all been sort of surviving this crisis alongside one another. And I've certainly noticed throughout the pandemic, you know, slower response times from right. sources, reaching out to universities, and it being harder to get a hold of professors when they weren't in their offices and weren't at their desks because everyone went remote. But also, you know, just uh, sources who were dealing with um, grief and trauma during all this, mm-hmm. who, you know, just weren't as available as, as they were before the pandemic. And that has a ripple effect, obviously, on, on the reporting and the storytelling. But I think the on-the-ground reporting impacts are probably the biggest. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge that accompanies being an environmental justice reporter? And what would you say is the biggest reward? The biggest challenge, I think, in being an environmental justice reporter has been working in newsrooms that don't always understand what environmental justice or climate justice is. I think that very often newsrooms have sort of like their set idea of what environmental justice reporting is. And either that's just like really sort of like negative representations of polluted communities um, I think it's like that's like one end of the one extreme end of the spectrum, and the other is just like sort of blindly, you know, I guess supporting every um, activist community that gets on their radar. And I think those are two sort of like dangerous places. Not dangerous, but yeah, not ideal. Like that's not, I don't think those are the greatest places uh, for newsrooms to be in terms of their understanding or support of this type of reporting. So that's been a challenge, I think, is just, you know, navigating newsrooms that don't quite know what environmental justice is or Mm -hmm. newsrooms that don't know how to deal with nuance or criticisms of uh, the movement, environmental justice movement itself and covering it with that nuance that every reporter should cover any movement with, right? And so, yeah, that's been a big challenge because as a reporter, you want to feel supported by your team and you want to feel supported by your editors and it's hard to feel supported if folks just don't know, right? Like if you're sort of like on your own figuring out what this is. And so that was, I think, a big challenge earlier, early on as uh, I began my career, because I don't think that environmental justice was as understood then as it is now. I think these days, the biggest challenge is probably just trying to find ways to tell stories that can have impact and making sure that those stories can resonate with readers. I found that environmental justice stories are sometimes hard to sell in terms of like, you know, click rates and Mm. reader engagement. And so that's been a challenge is just how can I report the story? How can I package it in a way that really connects to readers so that people want to read it, right? The biggest reward for me has just been, you know, I'm a journalist first, but but I have felt you know, quite welcome to Mm -hmm. the environmental justice movement. And Mm -hmm. I think that's been the biggest reward is just kind of like feeling like I'm a part of something that's Mm -hmm. bigger than me, bigger than my industry, and really feeling from my sources, from the folks who give me their time, who share their expertise and their lived experiences, really feeling a sense of appreciation from them. I think that's been so incredibly rewarding. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with folks where they're just thanking me for... Mm -hmm asking them these questions for trying to learn about their communities and the impacts that they face for giving them a platform to speak out. You know, many of these communities don't get any national media mm-hmm. attention. It's really often just like local reporting. And even though, you know, I'm, I don't work for the New York times or the right. post or anything, they, they recognize and appreciate that I'm taking the time to talk to them and really making me feel 
yeah, like, like, you know, like I'm there with them and that has been the most rewarding for me. And what has been your favorite story that you've reported on? Does one stick out? Oh man, I've done so many stories <laughs> over the years. I think that one that has a really special place in my heart, one of my all-time favorite stories was one that I wrote really early on in my career. I probably published this, it's like 2016 or something, uh, Color Lines, when I was their climate justice reporter. And it was a story centered around uh, my hometown, Uniondale, New York, which is a suburb on Long Island. And it looked at sort of the really dramatic increase in solar panels on okay. people's homes, residential solar, and it's a predominantly black and Latina community. And so the story sort of, you know, looked at, I got some original data from the state and looked at how much um, solar had increased. And it was like, a re- I can't remember the exact number, but it was like some really dramatic spike. Um, it sort of explored, you know, this sort of myth that existed at the time that you know, black people and brown people don't want solar, don't care about solar, um, and really sort of broke down that myth, debunked that myth, and, um, you know, broke down that people care about having, you know, lower bills, and this is an avenue toward that. And yeah, I I appreciate it, because it was a a chance for me to, like, connect with my roots, you know, Mm -hmm. like, report on my hometown, I did a bunch of door knocking for that story, and, like, learned something about my own community, while being able to sort of shift the narrative around renewables and communities of color. And my final question is, what advice or tips would you give someone who wants to become an environmental justice reporter? For anyone who wants to become an environmental justice reporter, I think my biggest piece of advice is to just learn as much as you can about the history, about the nuance in the movement. You know, this is a global movement and there's so many stories waiting to be told here in the U.S., in Latin America, in African nations, in Asia. There's just so many stories everywhere. And I think that it's critical to understand the histories of colonization, the histories of the slave trade, or the histories of manifest destiny here in the U.S. of imperialism, like all of these histories of disenfranchisement and abuse and violence are really, really at the root of the environmental justice issues we see today. And I don't think that you can report or do justice by this beat without having an understanding of these histories. So I I really, really urge folks to to just learn and read as much as possible, you know, talk to historians for your environmental justice stories and contextualize, you know, modern day, present day events in the histories that created them. Because when we talk about these events without that context, I think it's really easy for readers to sort of ignore the systemic issues at play here. And ultimately, you know, the climate crisis and the ecological crises that we face are a symptom of a greater problem, right? And so it's important to, I think, communicate that to our readers. And the only way to do that is to understand it yourself. Thank you so much to Yesenia for taking the time to speak with us about how race and the environment intersect in the world of journalism. Look out for upcoming episodes with more journalists who cover environmental issues. And don't forget to follow IJNet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We'll be sure to keep you updated on when we release our next episode. For more resources on environmental reporting, you can check out our site, IJNet.org.